hello friends my name is steve and i'm here today with author anthony self we're here to talk about his writing experiences and his new book coming out soon birthday treat anthony thanks for coming by to chat with me today thank you for having me man um yeah it's a pleasure it's uh it's uh, it's really nice to be able to talk about this book that's been kind of gestating for a while that's been coming out soon so yeah really nice thank you yeah so other than Birthday Treat, and we'll, we'll, I want to hear more about that, but uh, other than Birthday Treat, what other books have you written? Uh, and I understand you work or you contribute to Storgy.com. It's a literary magazine? Yeah, Storgy. So it's basically Story and Orgy. Put your hands together. <laughs> um, so yeah, no. Um, so this is this is my like debut novel. Um, this oh, is like okay. the first one that's coming out. Um, but essentially, uh, Storgy was made too many years ago that I can't remember. Um, it was basically me and a friend called Tom who we wanted to, um, we're both writers kind of thing. We wanted to kind of keep the, the kind of short story alive in that respect. And we kind of would give ourselves like a title um, each week. And then we gave ourselves like that one week to kind of go away, write like a thousand words, something really short and sweet, and then come back. And then we'd sort of like discuss it between ourselves and give each other like feedback. And that kind of ballooned to a little bit. We had a kind of core group of writers at one point. Um, so the website wasn't, it was just in its really kind of infant stage. It was just literally like a bunch of sort of writers that would come together, give each other like maybe a picture or a, a title. And then next week we'd come back and then we'd read it to each other and everything. Um, and that just, yeah, organically sort of like moved into us then getting like we had like a lot of people just emailing us going like oh can i you know i'm a short story right can i send my story in and we were like yeah sure man like we'll we'll put it out there and it kind of grew um to a kind of point where a couple of years ago um we kind of said like why, why don't we just start publishing um you know become an independent publisher as well because like what we do now is so on a monday and wednesday we have a short story that's released on the website uh we also review books um we do interviews mm -hmm. with authors um yeah and it's just kind of gone from there now we're actually sort of publishing so we've got like seven books that we've published um some anthologies some novels and some exciting stuff coming up yeah wow that sounds awesome yeah yeah so, um, so if someone wa if someone wanted to to join and be in the in the group of authors that contribute how would they go about doing that um well that kind of like that kind of weirdly sort of phased out and we just mm. then, then became more of a kind of um online literary magazine so oh, if you okay. do if, you, if you're a short if you if you like short stories um i think the max word count is five thousand words um and you want to kind of we, we we basically promote ourselves as being a platform for you know um you know artists and uh, creative types kind of thing um just go on to storegy.com and uh it's through submittable um you can send through story through i'm the head of the short fiction um so the thing is there is an element that you may not get accepted don't don't you know i'm holding my hands up um but like uh yeah it's it's a weird one because like um i read so many short stories every day um and it, it's usually not the kind of case of the, the the caliber of writing is really good um from all angles and if you do get rejection from me it's not because you know your story was bad or anything like that it might just not be a good fit for the actual website you know there's times where i've read like three stories in a row that are kind of like of the same ilk in that respect um and sometimes there are technicalities involved and everything like that. But um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, you know, send it through and we'll, we'll have a look. And in nonfiction as well, like it doesn't have to just be fiction. We do nonfiction. Um, yeah, a lot of different things. So when you do have a, a submitted story that just isn't, uh, you know, just you have criticisms for it. Did that take a while to get used to letting someone know or to giving them negative feedback? Is that tough sometimes to do that? 
Well, the thing, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's some days, some days are better than the others. You know what I mean? Like, um, you kind of like, uh, I try to read a couple of short stories every day. Um, and some of the stories are really good. And, but for whatever reason, there's not that, like maybe that X factor. And I hate myself for saying that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I, I've sometimes had problems with, you know, rejecting the story. I, if I had, if I had my choice, I would accept all the stories, but, um, unfortunately, uh, that, that can't be the case. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what we basically do is we do have like a generic template that we send, uh, as a rejection because sometimes it just takes too long to, um, come back. Cause what I personally like to do is I'd love to be able to kind of come back and, um, you know, give critiques and feedback to every story, but I unfortunately just don't have the time. I have a nine to five job as well. Um, and yeah, what I basically say though, is if you do want feedback on your story, just ask, um, I can't hundred percent guarantee that I'll be able to get to it. But at the same time, I try to go out of my way to, to do that. Um, just to give, you know, the author, um, some kind of, um, you know, uh, yeah, feedback. How has that experience changed your writing and the way that you you write your own stories and and for and for birthday treat? How much how much has that had an influence on your your writing and your? That's a really good stories? question. Yeah, it's 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 uh, I think fundamental, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's so you know you can read something. You know when you read a good book and you know it's it's kind of gripped you from like the first page to the last page and you can't put it down and it's like two o'clock in the morning and you're just sitting there reading or whatever sort of thing. Uh, it's similar to that kind of respect. If there's, if I read a short story, I can, with the kind of years of now just reading a lot of short stories and the short story form is a lot different than a novel in that respect. And I think everyone knows that, but um, yeah, if, if the, if the story hasn't kind of captured me by like the first page, and I'm not saying it doesn't have to, you don't have to have like a swanky or you don't have to have like a kind of first line that kind of like, you know, he came into the room and there were dead people, you know, you don't, you don't have to do that. But, um, you yeah, know, but if it's, if it's in the kind of case of it, if it captures my uh, uh, attention and I'm, I'm there and I don't even realize that, you know, 4,000 words have gone pretty much that's for me that's a good story um a lot of people have like different interpretations of what makes a good short story you know having a beginning middle and end but it's like uh, you know the, the, the hero journey or whatever it may be sort of thing um there's there's loads of there's loads of stories that i've read that literally um nothing happens um it's a, it's a character piece and that's great that's fantastic there's loads of stories where the plot has been prevalent to you know the characters and everything like that so yeah it's it's an odd it's an odd form but also um Sorry, I rambled a little bit there, but uh, to no, answer your no, question, that's, that's, what, that's what this <laughs> is all about. So that's yeah, great. Um, it's it's really it has. I think subconsciously, I've kind of taken things on boards that I probably wouldn't have done if um, I hadn't been reading these short stories. So in a kind of weird way, it has. I hope improved my own writing. And like, there's that kind of old age adage of like, you know, the more you read, um, the better you become. And it's the same thing with writing. The same thing with reading. Like, the more you read. Um, you know, the more sort of experience you'll have, uh, the more you write, you know, you, you'll be able to kind of pick up things that are like, you know, that's a bit clunky, that line's a bit clunky, this whole paragraph's a bit clunky, do I need this? Does it serve a purpose for the plot or the character, la 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 la, and you kind of go through and you kind of chop things up and, you know, you kind of condense things down. With Birthday Treat, for example, like, it's it's a big book. Um, and I was very conscious of the fact that, you know, people, I was like, are people going to actually it's going to be boring. Like you need to kind of, you know, do the pacing element as well. So as well as like kind of technical stuff um, that you have, there's also pacing elements as well, just like a movie, just like watching a film. You know, if you're watching a, um, you know, a kind of like 1970s style Russian um, 
you know, stalker type thing, then you know mentally that this is what you're going to be watching. But if you're watching like an Avengers movie or something that, you know, there's going to be big explosions and stuff like that. It's all it's all relative to, you know, who's going to be reading it, why they're going to be reading it, et cetera. Yeah. Hmm. And speaking of birthday treat, uh, what can you tell us about it? What, uh, what were your inspirations for it? How, how did it come to be? Um, so I think, uh, so the synopsis, if I was giving you like an elevator pitch, um, I would basically say that it's uh, The Running Man meets 1984 meets The Purge. So <laughs> essentially it's, uh, it's set in a kind of like dystopian sort of future of the UK. Um, the genesis of it originally was from the, uh, I'm not sure if you were, but there was like London riots in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a kind of a weird time where I think uh, the consensus of a lot of people was just a lot of anger bubbling beneath the surface of like everyday people. Um, and there was one particular story that I read um, and saw on the news at the time about this girl who this kind of mob mentality as such where, um, you know, all these, all this stuff was kicking off. People were looting and rioting and, you know, breaking down windows and all this kind of stuff. And there was this one story of this girl, um, and I think she was uh, she was like a kind of Olympic, um, uh, what's the word, like not trustee, but like uh, someone who's on the board, like she, she was meant to be like a kind of uh, spokesperson. And she, there was like a, I think there was an image of her like with a traffic cone, like, you know, just smashing a kind of uh, car or something like that. And it kind of really, something, something in this this old noggin sort of thing just kind of like uh, stirred and it was like this weird thing of like this this, this one person who pardon me who previously had this kind of like you know um uh olympic sort of like dreams and stuff like that and it all just came crashing down on this kind of this this kind of mob mentality so that kind of resonated and it kind of gestated for a while and then there was something i think i was at work one day and i just kind of thought to myself like you know I think I was having a conversation with a friend and it was just like, you know, if, if, for example, just, you know, what if, um, you could get away with any crime for a day, what would you do? And it was that, it was that kind of like, you know, that kind of pub talk sort of like, uh, conversation. And it was interesting to kind of see what the kind of repercussions would be. And like, if like, you know, if you could get away with anything and there'd be no consequences, what would you do? So birthday treat is essentially the story is that the government has collapsed, um, there's like, you know, violence and looting and everything's gone on a massive high. And this kind of like, say, like Netflix type of corporation comes in and essentially becomes the new government. Um, and what they do uh, is in order to kind of quell the violence and the and everything that's going on is they create this kind of scheme called birthday treats, which basically means that at one day in your life, one birthday that you have in your life past the age of 18, um, you're given free roam to do whatever you like without any consequences. Um, the thing is, if you forfeit your treat, if you decide not to do that, which is in your rights, um, you get automatically entered into this game show called Hunted. Um, so basically, you then have to survive five days in the UK or whatever sort of thing without, um, you know, people, all the, everyone around you is trying to find you, capture you, and retire you, which basically is a Blade Runner term for, um, you know, kill you. So um, there's three main characters in this. Uh, George is like an everyday man. He's part of the system. He's part of the network. He used to be a former psychologist. Um, he actually talks to people who have just committed a birthday treat, and he kind of like is, you know, trying to see how they get on and everything. Um, and his kind of world gets violently shook um, one day. Uh, another character is Alice. She has forfeited her birthday treat, and she's on the run. 
Um, and then the other character is a guy called Kavanagh, who's a network agent, and his task is to actually try and find her and retire her. So yeah, their, their worlds collide in that kind of uh, essence. Yeah, so it's kind of like a dystopian, um, speculative fiction sort of piece. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. From the from the cover, I immediately had the dystopian nineteen eighty four Big Brother type of vibe from the cover. Yeah. Just looking yeah. at the cover. That's what I was. That's what I was stealing from. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and it's really. You know, it's hard to get a good cover because covers are, I'm sure covers are tough, but it's very yeah. simple. It's to the point. It's not too clunky. It's so eye-catching right away. Well, that yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing. Like, uh, so I'm self-publishing this, uh, and I know there's a lot of different routes that an, an author can go down. You know, you can try and find a literary agent. You can, you know, um, self-publish yourself now. And even, like, I'm, I'm going down the Amazon KDP route. Um, and, but a lot of that is, there's a lot of legwork that you have to do yourself. Um, and I was looking for that kind of minimalistic sort of approach, um, almost like, yeah, 1984 sort of style. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you can get like freelancers if you don't, if, you, if you're not fortunate enough to have anyone who knows like, you know, graphic design work and stuff like that, then there's always options as well there. So that's, that's the kind of route I'm, I'm going down. Yeah. Oh, so you, you had it, uh, you had a freelancer help yeah. develop it. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. 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 Uh, how long did it take you to write uh, Birthday Treat? Was it did it start kind of gestating in 2011? Yeah, and so from 2011, yeah, definitely. It was. It was. And I said, yeah, it was that kind of like um, going from that one sort of germ of an idea, um, that little seed that gets planted, and then it kind of like evolved from there. So I knew I knew the kind of concept would be about this kind of whole, you know, if you if you could do this thing, if you could do this whatever despicable act you could, and you, there'd be no consequences. Like what would what would be the kind of what would happen there. And I was intrigued by that. It kind of just stayed with me. Um, but yeah, it took a couple of years because I, I started with a short story. So that the, the, the first the first the first chapter is uh, Kavanaugh basically coming in uh, into this into this house, into this household. And um, he's questioning this old lady. And it becomes apparent that, you know, there's a kind of uh, there's more going under the surface than than what's kind of realized. And I always ha I had that as a short story and I kind of wanted to just kind of elongate it. And then from there, sort of other characters grew and like other plot elements. But I didn't want to I didn't want it to become too cumbersome. Um, that's a problem that I have sometimes is that I, I you know, there's loads of ideas and but sometimes making it into a nice little nice package can be can be awkward to do so. Yeah, it did take a few years to um, get those elements together. Um, but yeah, I think in a, since, you know, 2020 sort of thing was such a dumpster fire of a year. Um, but <laughs> but also, also in that kind of respect, it gave a lot more opportunity and time uh, to actually sort of sit down and um, write things out. So, yeah. And with dystopian stories, was because I've noticed now that recently in the in the past maybe even twenty years, um, movies and 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 books that focus too much on reality, like like war movies that are based in modern times, don't do so well. I think people are kind of burnt out on watching the news and and current events that they kind of shy away from that. So was that a concern when you were writing a story like this that I think wouldn't be too, uh, you know, from what we've seen the last several years, it kind of yeah. seems like, yeah, that, that could happen, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, well, was that's, it, was I, it, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, it, it, it was kind of weird in that kind of respect because I think people, I think people who like the dystopian sort of genre will always love dystopian genre, you know, regardless of what is going on in life. 
um i'm one of those kind of people like i i do have a bit of a macabre sense of humor sort of thing so i do like you know i can always there's um there's a book that's actually coming out in january by sa uh, sa barnes uh called dead silence i'm really looking forward to reading it because it just it, it's that kind of thing like it just has the tagline is like salvage crew a spaceship um you know and it's like it's like aliens and i'm like that's 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 great for me like you can probably see some figurines in the background there some alien that's, figurines but like you know yeah. that's fine um but like you know it's that kind of thing of like um yeah i, I regardless i, I want to read it so in that respect um even though with the kind of pandemic in 2020 with people um you know uh having like tragedies and stuff like that I do understand that maybe there is more of a, you know, maybe people want some more fluffy things, maybe to read some more, you know, uh, other other genres. That's fine. That's completely, you know. Um, but I, yeah, personally, um, I don't think that's, yeah, I, I think there's always going to be that kind of uh, thirst, if you will, for that kind of thing. So, no, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to. Well, I don't know. we'll see. <laughs> well, I, I, I get a kick out of these kind of stories because. Um... They, they, you, you, it's not too, from what we've seen, like I said, the last few years, it's like, oh, it could happen, you know, it's mm. with, uh, and that's, you mentioned aliens and, um, the movie aliens and the Wayland, uh, Yukani, corporation. Yeah. yeah Yukani mm. corporation. So it's kind of like, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, I mean, you know, truth is stranger, uh, uh, stranger than fiction in that respect. But like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a political kind of person. Um, but you know, from your America sort of like state of mind with president and, you know, and then from our one with our, it's prime minister. It's, it's, it's balmy. It's balmy. Life, life is so bizarre sometimes. And that's why I thought like, I think that kind of galvanized me to be honest with you a little bit. Like, you know, when, when you see these kind of people come into power that absolutely have no idea what they're doing. And I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe, you know, maybe a book about this kind of corporation coming to power isn't so kind of stupid, you know, that kind of thing. So in that respect, I do think that, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, there's a suspension of disbelief, obviously, but um, I think also at the same time as well, uh, yeah, life can be just as strange or just as twisty turny sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny you mentioned that back in, 2016 when the election happened my daughter who was i don't know eight or nine at the time <clears throat> when when it all started kind of unraveling uh my daughter had said something like uh is this kind of like when biff was mayor in back to the future too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah okay. definitely yeah yeah no it is it's you know you never know like who knows what's around the corner um i, I think in a kind of weird retrospective way like you know um how old are you steve if you don't mind me asking i am 41 okay really yeah you look good for it man oh thank you yeah um but like i think you know i'm 38 sort of thing and i think we've all been like we if you look past like of uh, you know since we've been alive um there's so many events that have happened you know we saw in the millennium um yeah. you know i think we saw the last like uh, eclipse you know stuff like that and um or that we're going to be alive for anyway um that's depressing <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but like there's so there's so many things that we've experienced and now we've just gone through like a spanish flu type of thing it's crazy we live in a crazy world um so in that respect i don't think 
you know, a mild sort of like dystopian novel, like is, is, is pushing the boundaries or pushing the envelope too far, you know? And there's a lot of other different things out there as well that, um, you know, you know, modern life and everything like that with the age of, I'm going to sound like I'm such, I'm sounding like such a boomer at the moment, but like, you know, technology, take it out. But like, it is that kind of thing, you know? Um, <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, but it's also true. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think, you know, sometimes a bit of escapism in the form of the literary novel is, uh, is a great way to decompress and maybe just, yeah take some stuff on board and see like the kind of society around you and kind of think to yourself like, well, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, you feel like a boomer cause there's, there's time. I think it's different for us that we remember life before the internet and yeah. these, uh, you know, if you're 30 or younger, you really don't remember life before it's been an, a part of your life every I single day. I kind of feel day. sorry for them a little bit as well. Like, yeah. you know, with that, because like, you know, there's that whole, like, you know, with the cassettes, and uh you know then with the discmans and stuff like that and it's like you we've seen this kind of natural progression of like say that kind of technology and it's great it's fantastic um but now it's as it has it become too prevalent now is it you know like you can just sit down you don't have to go like this the whole kind of question at the moment you know this is something that kind of brought up during the pandemic it's like cinemas are just you know reopening now and like they're trying to everyone's trying to get back and i'm i'm like an, I'm, I'm a massive movie geek sort of thing so i'd love i love going to cinema uh, anyway um and you know you see these kind of like just literally click a button and you can see what you want right there in front of you and everything like that so yeah it's interesting yeah it is tough we're uh it's funny because social media is is the thought behind it or at least i guess the intention was to bring people closer but it does it drive us farther apart is the you know, mm. so a lot of trolls out there a lot of trolls. interesting very interesting mm. definitely so having birthday treat and, and what is the release date for birthday treat? Mm. Um, so I'm planning to have this release on 8th of October. Okay. So just in time for uh, Halloween. Awesome. It's not horror, but you know, it's a uh, dystopian speculative fiction. I'd say yeah. it could be, I think it could be horror for, I think it could, could be something. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, is it is it nerve wracking to have, to have a release date for your book that you've worked so hard on? You've put so much time into, what does that feel? Is it, are you nervous? Is it, did you get anxious or what, what does that feel like? It's, it's a weird combination to be honest with you. Cause like, obviously um, I've, I've sent this uh, to a few core group of people um, for like editing purposes and stuff like that. And just to get their like honest feedback. Um, but sometimes, you know, uh, sending sort of manuscripts to friends uh, can sometimes be a bit counterproductive because obviously they want to kind of just be like, yeah, this is really like, Will they give you the, the honest truth, like the hundred percent honest truth? Mm, don't know. Um, so, in that kind of respect, um, from a kind of British kind of view, I've got that kind of weird. I, I take compliments. I don't. I don't do. I don't take compliments very well. I hate that. But I take criticism very well. That's a, yeah. that's a kind of. I think I don't know if that's a British thing or just like me myself. But like, um, yeah, I'm. I'm always open for uh, constructive criticism, definitely. Um, but like, once it's done, it's done, and there's you know there's there's no turning back on it now, sort of thing. It's like releasing a little baby into the world. It's you know it's, it's yeah. there. Um, yeah, I'm just you know can only hope really that um, it kind of resonates um, and speaks to people. If not, then fuck it. I'll have to write something else. <laughs> <laughs> I think you kind of have to have that attitude. Like it's, it's out there. I've, I'm proud of it. And whatever happens, happens. You, you want people to like it, but you know, yeah. And, and do you plan on it being a series or is, is it a standalone? 
Um, interesting that you answer because uh, one of my friends did say like you could you could this is a university you could probably carry on with. Um, I think at the moment, maybe I've had some ideas. Um, I won't spoil the ending, sort of thing. But there is there is an opportunity maybe for something. But um, I think at the moment. Uh, so what I've done is during uh, the pandemic uh, in a weird way. So with Storgy, it's a three-man team. So there's myself, Ross Jeffrey, who's uh, himself a Bram Stoker finalist um, and does uh, exceptional work. Like, you just read his stuff. It's really good. And uh, Tom Gito. And we, um, during during that kind of, like, you know, we're doing Skype calls. And weirdly, we went back to the old days of Storgy where, you know, we'd give each other like a title and then we'd come back and we'd have a Skype call and we'd read it to each other and we'd give ourselves like some critiques and stuff. And from that, um, I've actually been able to, to do another an anthology of like um, short stories. So hmm. uh, that's that's going to be the next thing coming out. Um, I'm kind of working on that at the moment, just like editing it and sort of, you know, cutting things down or putting stuff up. But um yeah, like, uh, no, I've, I've got an idea for an, another novel, which I think in next year, that's what I'll be concentrating on. But never say never. I might I might come back to this world. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have the option to go mm. either way. Mm. So since you've started Storgy and you've, you've been uh, working on, you know, you've been contributing and you've had this kind of uh, group of writers how has the industry changed in that time? Has it changed? You know, because now we have self-publishing and Amazon. It's it's a whole new world, and I think the the barrier for entry is a lot lower now for good and bad. I mean, it's good and it's bad. The good news is anyone can do it, and the bad news is anyone can do it. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you know, I think the proof is in the pudding in that respect. Like when you. I, I'm very see for myself. I'm very open to kind of reading new new authors or authors that I'm not aware of, and they get recommended to me or just by word of mouth um, start reading. And there is something um, I think intrinsically important about the fact that I'm one. Of those, if you read something and it's like mm, just not for me, then you know you can go away. So like as you were saying, like the self publishing route. And I put myself up on the on the kind of guillotine with this as well because like some people might read and go, ah, you know, what, it's not it's not for me. That's fine. That's all right. Um, but as long as I think if someone say decides to self publish and they're like an avid writer and they you'll you'll probably see a kind of weird process of how they grow and how they sort of develop and stuff. And I'm always for that. I'm always for like personal growth. Um, and I include myself with that as well. Um, but also at the same time, you could read a Stephen King novel and be like, yeah, Stephen King is great, you know, like whatever sort of thing. Like, you know, he can do so um, characters, characters, you know, and stuff like that. But like, it's 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 a weird one. It's strange. Um, I imagine the old school way of um, publishing, and I'm talking about like mega companies like Penguin or, you know, stuff like that. Um I think maybe there needs to, I don't know, um, you know, they'll, they'll get the kind of the household name type people, which people are always going to adhere to. Um, you know, if you're an Agatha Christie sort of fan, you like that kind of, you're going to always buy Agatha Christie type things. And then from that probably branch out, split off and like, you know, um, try other kind of like crime thriller type authors based on that. It depends on, it depends on the readership sort of thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, 
think too much about that kind of stuff to be honest with you only because of the fact that if you if you do you go probably a bit crazy um <laughs> yeah i just you know I, I read what i like i like the genres uh, i read particular genres that i like i kind of i try to branch out when i when i know and um you were talking about social media and a bit sort of thing it's like it's, it's great to, there's a great community out there that will recommend stuff and I've read so many uh, novels um, just through recommendations of like someone that said like, you know, this is really good. And if it's like up my street, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that does sound really good. Like, yeah, you know, and I'll read it. I'll be like, yeah, it's really good. And then I'll kind of follow that author sort of thing and see how the progression goes on from there. So, yeah. Hmm. And did you ever consider going, uh, was there ever a question for you that you're going to self publish? Did you ever consider going with a, a bigger publisher? Um, with the kind of going through the kind of literary agent um, sort of field, personally, um, I mean, this is, I mean, this is for me, this is a bit more of an experiment as well, because like the first time I've done it myself, I mean, through Storgy, we, we've published like other novels and stuff like that. And we've done that in house. Um, but I didn't want a, I didn't want there to be like a conflict of interest of like, you know, going through Storgy. Um, but B, I just wanted to kind of do it. So I, it, it was that kind of like, um, your own sort of satisfaction, your own kind of like a personal goal, if you will. Um, so I, I went that way just for that. Um, I could have like, you know, sent out dozens of uh, emails to like literary publishers and stuff like that and probably got like a whole bunch of rejections. But, you know, it was just, um, no, it was just, a, it was just the kind of fact that I just kind of wanted to do this, see how it goes. And like when it does get released, I guess I'll see, I guess I'll see how it goes from there. If, um, if there's a is a, if there's a positive response to it and everything like that, then um, I'll continue. If not, then uh, maybe I'll try a different route. I don't know. Yeah, it's all. I'm, I'm not very. I'm not very organised to be honest with you. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> seeing how things go. Yeah, I'm, I'm like with the wind. I just go with the wind. See how. Sometimes, it yeah. Sometimes you have to be. Uh, so, from your your experience in getting birthday treat, you know, the going the self publishing route and, and Amazon, uh, going through Amazon. What was uh, what surprised you most about that experience? What what was the most surprising thing? Um, I suppose uh, the kind of whole self promotion aspects is not something I'm good at, um, and not very. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like like with social media. I'm not. I'm not. An, I don't go on like Twitter every day and like. Mm. You know say something profound or anything like that just to get i'm, I'm one of those i'll do a cat meme i'll send a cat meme out like once in a while and stuff like that so but yeah when when you when you do have to self up you do have to um you do have to uh work it sort of thing you have to you have to play the game and i'm i I'm, I'm, don't really like that kind of aspect of it um i'm gonna you know as i said like my friend and fellow storgy um colleague ross jeffrey um he he's superb he's the man is a machine i don't know how he does it um he basically has written in this past year i think like 100 novels basically he, he's really good at what he does but he's really good on the social media as well um he promotes fellow authors he he just generates this kind of like um you know uh, positive uh, vibe amongst the community and you know um i, I i'm not I, I don't, I can't, I'm not that kind of person, to be honest with you. I can't go on every, like, uh, tweeting. I can't do it, to be honest. But I, I've kind of having to force myself to do it because that's what you have to do when you self-publish. So there is there is an element of, um, you know, uh, that which you may find uh, for any kind of fellow um, uh, authors who want to 
self-publish there is that element to it that you might find yourself in a kind of um you know deep waters or uncomfortable zones and stuff like that but um unfortunately or fortunately you have to do it like that's the that's the only way that it's going to get done and you know uh you'll you'll see the result of it at the end of the day um you know but once again as i said like if you just if you just like prefer writing you're doing your front of your screen and then you give it off to some other personal publisher and they do all that work then so be it and i hope uh, that's the case that that happens does it come back to the whole because uh, i'm the same way I'm, I'm bad at taking compliments so does it come back to that whole kind of mindset? Well, not a bridge thing yeah I, I think no i think it's i'm, I'm the same way it's i'm really bad with, with compliments but really i could handle uh criticism a lot better so i think that's i think that might be part of it just um because it, it's a lot of it is look at me and not in a negative way i think promoting your work is important and it's just getting over that initial feeling of i don't want to be a pest to everybody you know i don't want to sound like an idiot all the time so I'm, yeah i'm, I'm yeah. not clever i don't have really clever things to say on, on twitter and really funny things and so that's just not me so it's it's a little weird yeah no i totally agree like steve i think me, me and you are uh, exactly the same in that respect like yeah i uh you know, as I said, like I, I, I will steal a meme from someone else and I'll post it. I'll be like, this is funny, isn't it? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't have any kind of profound things to say, really. And if I do, then it's usually when I've had like, you know, a couple of whiskeys and uh, the alcohol takes effect. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, apart from that, um, it's it's just something that, you know, uh, but you have to do it. That's the thing yeah. you, know, you do have to do it because at the end of the day, you do need to blow your own trumpet. Um, mm -hmm. I was on a webinar sort of course uh, the other day where I was giving a talk to um, uh, sort of writers in that respect. And one of the questions was that, and it was like, yeah, you do have to blow your own trumpet. I know it probably goes against the grain for a lot of people. You know, as you said, I don't think a lot of people, but there are, there are, you know, narcissists in the, in the, in the world and they'll, they'll do it effortlessly. That's fine. That's great. That's uh, you're paying for your strengths. Uh, but for the other people that, you know, don't, what's that famous quote? Like, um, uh you know um the, the people that are uh, you know are the ignorant ones but the kind of smart people are, i'm not saying i'm smart at all i'm i'm as sick as two planks but um uh yeah it's that kind of weird thing going on so yeah self-awareness is very important i think oh yeah definitely yeah. i think yeah. some people like you know don't have that but <laughs> yeah. well, everyone's different so mm. so and yeah uh, you mentioned whiskey so yeah i think we are we are very similar <laughs> my, my best ideas after a couple of couple of glasses of whiskey. That's it. Yeah, that's when the yeah. when the brain goes to different areas of the of the vortex. You know? Yeah, goes off <laughs> goes off in the ether. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned you had some uh, you had done s some talks with some uh, some writers. What what's the what are the most common questions you get asked about writing and um, you know advice? What's the, what's the most uh, you get asked like the common common questions? Um, well, I think because with Storgy, um, it was the main talk was about in terms of, uh, you know, as a literary sort of like uh, agent, if you will, uh, what's the best way to approach um, someone like if you, if you have a short story, like say your genre of fiction is romance, um, you know, how how what's the best way to submit a story? Like, what do you say in your kind of opening email or that kind of thing? Um, and at the end of the day, I, I personally, I don't really care what is said in the, you know, hello, Mr. Self, like, you know, this is my short story, blah, 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 blah. I don't need like an essay at that point because all I want to do is read the story. And if it's if it's good enough, um, 
then we'll go from there. Then I'll then I'll kind of like ask you about you know your details and stuff like that. But I think uh, a lot of the a lot of the questions are, are basically you know like you know what makes a good short story, hmm. um, and that's one of the universal questions. You know like why do why do we dream? You know that kind of thing. It's <laughs> it's you could have an answer for it, but um, you can't basically you can't sum it up i don't think what makes a good story um is for me personally as i said before um like you know if it grips me from page one to page 15 or whatever it may be um if you have characters that you know i i rally behind and sort of empathize with or sympathize with if you have like antagonists that you know um aren't just like paper 2d cutouts of like you know they have like depth to them stuff like that you know and even in, then if you don't have like you don't your story may not be focused on characters if the, if the plot's really good and it kind of draws me into a particular world then yeah definitely you know it's going to be it's going to it's going to find a home um and it, even though if it's not with storgy i hope it is with someone else like that's the thing like, i've always been an advocate of you know it people who um who write and and want to have a story in the world um need to find a home for it rather like just don't let it gestate in your drawer um and you know have, have, throw it out there somewhere and so the kind of advice that i would say to, to to any writer would be like you know don't don't sit on the thing that you're doing um i know sometimes it's hard but like uh yeah get it out there i know I'm, I'm giving myself advice because like i don't do that either so yeah <laughs> and uh when, when you were writing birthday treat or just any of your your writing do you ever stop and consider uh what the what your reader would want to happen or do you go with what you want do you ever stop no. and wonder not I yet. really would, would expect X, Y, and Z, or not yet. I think I think if you start thinking about what other people are going to think, then you've lost. Uh, personally, you write for yourself. That's how I see it. Um, I, I write the things that I would like to read. Essentially, um, uh, I write sort of speculative fiction because you know I, I, I um, am intrigued. I'm, I'm still learning myself, so. Um, but no, I, I personally think if you're if you're sort of sitting there thinking, oh, what would um, this guy or this girl think about this? Then you you kind of enter a different zone of writing, if that makes sense. Like you're yeah. you're not just then you're not being true, you're not being honest to the, the page in front of you. That cursor that's blinking, um, you're kind of you're trying to emulate something for someone else, which inevitably is going to um, fall short. I think so. Yeah, no, always write for yourself. I think um, first and foremost. Um, don't worry about what you know your partner thinks don't worry about just write what you what you want um the truth will out in that respect um yeah and when did you start writing how old were you how did how did that how did you start getting involved or start um, writing for yourself well it's interesting because when i was really young i um unbeknownst to me at the time uh i think i had some some learning sort of difficulties with reading because uh i think a teacher or uh, what do you call it like a nursery or primary school teacher whatever had to have a chat with my parents and my dad actually um read to me at night sort of thing and i know like you know most parents will probably read to their kids at night and everything like that but i think it was like a, a more of a we need to we need to get tony you know uh he's he's not he's not kind of he's not there that, that forrest gump kind of like chart thing you know it was that kind of like you're there kind of thing you need to so um my dad like, i've dedicated um the birthday treat to my dad because he basically mm -hmm. he he taught me to read he taught me he taught me the power of imagination i think we had these he bought this whole collection of like um books uh and they were like um sort of you know those uh 
uh, I don't know how, I don't know if you have the same sort of thing, but there'll be like a, a series of like, um, at the time I was like a toddler sort of thing, so I don't really remember it that well, but like I remember him reading to me. And that I think was the kind of catalyst. Um, as I was growing up, um, where I lived in Acton, uh, we had this alleyway behind us, this long, long alleyway. Um, and as kids, like, you know, uh, on this is once again, another boomer sort of thing. But, um, you know, uh, when you played outside with other kids on the street sort of thing, uh, always, yeah, we'd always go around this alleyway and it had this kind of like really foreboding sort of, I don't know what it was, but it was like this foreboding atmosphere about this alleyway. Not that there was, there weren't crackheads there or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of way. I know Acton in London, Acton's, you know, it could be considered to be uh, a little, you know, sketchy. Uh, I lived there all my life, W3. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, this alleyway, for example, um, it, I remember writing this kind of series, these series of, I must have seen like Chucky at the time, because for some reason I was in this kind of like, um, <laughs> the thing was called Killer Baby. It was a baby that rode a motorcycle and had like finger claws like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um, don't think it would uh, ever see the light of day. But um, yeah, I had these series of like um, short, short, like just literally uh, A4 pieces of paper written, you know, uh, stapled together, uh, like a kind of weird uh, mini series graphic novel uh, type of thing. And it just went on from there, really. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So then short stories, I've always been, I've always been, um, you know, just, I love short stories. Um, and yeah, just, just kind of went on from there. Sometimes there'll just be like an idea that pops on in your head, like, you know, you're on the toilet or something like that, or you're, you know, eating a burrito and then like something, something just pops up and you're like, Ooh, well, that's interesting. How do I, what can I do here? And then from there explore. Yeah. Or sipping some whiskey and ideas come flowing. Or sipping some whiskey and then like just yeah. the ideas come flooding in. Yeah. Maybe not as uh, together though, but yeah. yeah. And what is your writing process? When, when do you start getting the ideas? Do you start with plot or characters or how do you kind of, what, do you have a starting point or does it just evolve on its own? Um, for me personally, I, I kind of tend to have uh, like an idea or something. So um, I'd say like with Birthday Tree, it would have, that would have, um, ger the, the, germ, the, the germ of the idea came from, you know, the, the London riots, but didn't really, it wasn't cohesive at the time. Um, and then having a conversation with a friend in a pub, like sort of like there's a, like a sieve uh, and the ideas are being filtered through the sieve and like the ones that actually stay are in there. Um, but yeah, usually to me, I'll have like an, like an image in my head, like there'll be like, you know, two guys sitting on a table or, you know, some bizarre thing. Um, and then from that, I kind of like spiral outwards. So then the characters probably come from certain situations if that makes sense mm -hmm. um yeah i think that's that's my kind of process um i know a lot of other people are different like you know you'll have like a specific character and um it'll be like you know i want this this protagonist to have these certain kind of sets of skills or i'll have this antagonist who does this um no for me yeah for me i'm, I'm more i'm more kind of based on the actual like a, a setting or a scene or something or, or just something that's very obtuse and very kind of out there and then sort of bring uh, everything around it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. Mm. Um, do you have a, a favorite types of scenes to write that you enjoy more than others, certain scenes or uh, certain types of, uh, cause you know, like action, it seems like it's really hard to write action scenes. Yeah. Um, so yeah. 
Do you have a certain certain type of scene that you enjoy more than others? Um, or even dialogue or whatever. It means yeah, right? I was going to go with dialogue. I do. I do like. Um, I do like dialogue between characters um, in that kind of like Quentin Tarantino sort of style of like, you know, just being able to be very um, realistic, but also at the same time having this kind of like wow factor to it. Um, like you just mentioned there about action scenes. Like I, I, I struggle with action scenes. Like I have to go, I have to pick up like a lead child's copy of like Jack Reacher thing just to be like, okay, this is how you do it kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah, it's that's a good question, man. Um, I don't know. Like, I think sometimes organically, as you, for me, for example, I don't know um, about other people, but like, I don't have like a pre. I, I'll, I'll usually have like if there's a chapter for an, I know what needs to happen in this chapter. Um, some, you know, obviously, I don't know how it's gonna um, formulate um, or mutate in that respect because sometimes you'd be writing about something. And then just weirdly, maybe it's going to tangently go off on this other route. And like, you know, as a train like has its different tracks, like maybe this will go over here sort of thing. Um, I'm personally, I'm very kind of like um, uh, things are up in the air. Um, and it's just like trying to catch certain bits and pieces and then put them together. Um, and that's where the editing comes in um, as well. So uh, yeah, I, I yeah I heavily edit as well because um, sometimes I just have this like list, this reams of you know dialogue speaking. It's like, well, does that does this actually serve a purpose? What this person is saying, like, or is this just like guff? Um, so yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Ah, interesting. Ah, mm, um, yeah, I would say the interactions of people, not just dialogue, but um, yeah, that's what I like. I, I like writing about that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about your favorite genres to write? Do you have a favorite genre that you enjoy writing more than others? Um, I do like horror, um, but I'm more like speculative fiction. So I like, I like reading a story where grounded in kind of reality or grounded in a certain sort of sense of, realism but then turns surreal you know what i mean like uh i like that I, I like when something catches you off guard but does it in a way that oh wow didn't see that coming not in a kind of m night Shyamalan sort of way but um in a kind of weird like i thought this was going somewhere and then it kind of changed you know like the first time i watched predator for example you know uh was you know it's an action movie very kind of like you know testosterone field but then halfway through it becomes a sci-fi film it's like what, what am I watching here? Like the first time you watch it, I mean, now it's like, you know, from the eighties and stuff like that. So everyone's seen it and all the various sequels and whatnot. But um, when you, when you kind of get to that point of like the first time you watch something or read something and it just defies your expectations because it just blindsides you. That's, I like that. Yeah. 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 What about you, Steve? Oh, I don't write, but I, I, I enjoy, I don't really have a favorite genre that I read, but um, I, I don't read much romance, but other than that, I'm, I'm open to whatever. <laughs> I have been on a, on a bit of a fantasy because I've been reading a lot of fantasy lately, and I'm I'm just mm. a little burnt out on on fantasy. So, do you, do you find that like when you're reading like a particular genre for a while, and it's like, oh, this is really good, but then you read a few, and then like uh, it's just like, oh, I, I need to just detach myself away from a little bit. The only one I've felt that way about is fantasy. The rest I can I can read horror for a long time, or even dark like darker fantasy because it's different. Those different things. Yeah. Fantasy, I think, is 
there's some good fantasy, but it's just the same formula. You know, it's a lot of it is, and not all of it, but a lot of the it hero is journey sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The chosen one, and it's like, okay, that's enough. Well, that's why, like, um, stuff like Terry Pratchett, like, that's why I love, you know, that kind of uh, genre, which is like kind of comedy, um, fantasy, sci-fi, you know, that that kind of thing. Like, you can always, you can always go back to it, like, um, uh, much like Stephen King in that respect, like with horror. Like, I can always like dip my toe back into that type of familiar world. Um, mm. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, no, I think um, yeah, speculative fiction. I think is the my way. I like yeah. Uh, do you believe in writer's block? And it's it's funny how many different answers I've heard to this question. So I'm, mm, I'm curious to um, what your thoughts are. I believe that this might sound harsh, but um, I believe that um, for a writer, I don't believe in writer's block as a kind of like, um, the term itself kind of annoys me, I'll be honest. But also I understand... What I would say is, um, of, of course, there are days where, you know, you wake up and you may have the feeling of, I need to write something. Um, I'm one of those kind of people, uh, once again, I hold my hand up, like, you know, there'll be days where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna sit down and I'm going to write 6,000 words today. Ha ha. And then, you know, I get distracted like a moth to fly, you know, to the flame and I'll watch Netflix and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I'm putting everything off. I'm putting everything off because I know I need to do this. Yeah. But I won't do it. Um I think that's that's the kind of writer's block in that respect. Like, I, I might have an idea, but how am I going to write it? You know, I have a character. How am I going to, you know, uh, describe the, what he does? And it's that kind of um, imposter syndrome sort of like thing coming about. It's like you kind of sit there and go like, well, I could do that, or I could watch the the thing on the thing and slug out on the sofa and stuff. Um, Sometimes just sitting in front of a screen, even if it's a blank page and you just have that cursor blinking, that's the best remedy for it, in all honesty. Mm. Because even if you're sitting there for half an hour and nothing comes to you and you're getting frustrated and you're getting like angry. And some days that I've had that as well. There's been days where I was just sitting there and I've just write, written something. I'm like, this is shit. This is complete bollocks. I don't like it at all. Um, you're going to have those days. But you know what? So what? It makes you a better writer, I think, in that respect. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the writer's block type of thing, um, I think is more of a, a state of mind. I know that sounds so wanky to say, but it's like <laughs> that kind of thing. It is, it's really, it's really not, a, um, it's one of those things of like, look, sit down in front of, of, of your screen or your tablet or wherever you kind of, or piece of paper and pen and uh, just see what comes. Because most of the time, I, I'd say, yeah, about 60% of the time, even if you just sit down, Forget everything else. Forget the TV. Forget all the social media. Forget the phone. Forget whatever. Just sit down and just see what comes. Because most of the time, it will it will, it will happen. Hmm. And even if it's bullshit, you've still written something. That's the thing. Like I'd rather prefer to have that day where I'm sitting there going, like you know, I wrote just about two thousand words, and it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. But at least I wrote it. And therefore, maybe I can take something from it. I can take segments from it. I can put it into something else. Who knows? Yeah. So it's you'll improve, right? Even if you write just a little bit, that's not very good. You'll still improve and learn for next time. Yeah, definitely. I think. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like we're saying, uh, what's that? That saying of like, you know, if you do a task ten thousand times, you become like master of it. And that's the same thing with writing. The same thing with reading. Like, you know, um, 
I, I like to think people read because they enjoy reading. Um, I know I do, uh, but I go through bursts. What I found, um, you know, is that I, I literally will, I will have an idea, like, I, I, you know, I'm in the mood for something. It's like, fil- for me, it's like films. Like, there'll be a particular genre of film. Like, I want to see a heist film, or I want to see a kind of, you know, turn my brain off and Fast and Furious type film, or I want to watch a complex, you know, highbrow film. That's the same for me with books. Whenever I read anything, it's like I go through like these phases of like I want to read this, I want to read this, I want to read this, and I'll kind of read for like um, you know a week, and then I'll switch off, and then I'll like literally be I won't read anything for could possibly be a couple of weeks, could be you know a month or so, um, but then I'll come back into it, and I'll be like, now I need to do this, and then I'll read again, and like you know try and get as much burst of information as possible. So yeah. And of course, we, we've talked a little bit about the last couple of years and the pandemic. Um, in what ways has the pandemic changed your view of stories or your writing style? Or or even would, would Birthday Treat even be a book being released soon if it wasn't for the pandemic? Hmm. Um, I think so. I'm, I'm going to have to kind of compartmentalize a, a, few, a few of that because like from a story point of view, I've obviously been reading a lot of short stories that deal with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to sort of see other people's interpretations of how, you know, the pandemic has affected them or their storytelling or their characters and stuff like that. Um, for me personally, um, I don't, I don't think, It, it sounds it sounds flippant to say that I don't think it's kind of affected me, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. um, I think uh, in terms of what the past, like, say, year and three quarters has been, um, is there's been, like, maybe a disconnect with, with, like, people talking, like, people being able to see their friends and families yeah. and stuff like that. So um, I think that has probably there may be some like noxious sort of gases underneath the surface of like everyone and that might explode like i was talking about earlier about uh, to you about the, the london riots in 2011 and it'll be interesting to kind of see you know with with stuff that's going on politically socially um how that's going to kind of come to the forefront i don't know um but in terms of of writing um I, I can't ignore the fact that by being at home for like the last, yeah, nearly two years now, um, that has helped. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a strange one. I think it's too it's it's, it's too magnanimous to, a thing to kind of think about in that respect. I don't know. I think I might go crazy if I think about it too much. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, and we we may not even really um, really get the. We may not even have a grasp of how um, how much has impacted us for years down the line until yeah who knows how long it'll go on and, and you know. well that's the thing like in terms of like um uh so you 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 work within the government is that correct yeah so, yeah like um so I imagine that you've been has it how has it affected you in that respect of like because I imagine you've been at the forefront like you've been on the front line in that respect mm, during, uh, you know, or? I actually haven't. It's funny because my schedule hasn't changed at all. And in fact, we've we've been working more. 
Yeah. So I've yeah. been one of the lucky ones and I know not everyone's that fortunate. So at the beginning it was it was strange that everyone you know, because everything shut down and we just keep this business as usual for us. So it's been and how, have you, how have you found because for me, for example, there's a, you know the whole like returning back to work life and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of people that have like anxiety about that, but I mean, how 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 do you feel in that respect? Because if you if you've been like if it's been like business as usual for you, sort of thing, like how how have you been dealing with that? Mm, it, well, I think well, I, I do have some friends that we we just started seeing again because we used to see our friend, you know, once a month we'd have a, we called it like a we'd get together and go to dinner and see a movie or something. So. Yeah. In that respect, it's been it's been different. But I've I've been looking forward to seeing people and to getting out and going to see movie again. And, yeah, yeah. You know, that's for me. It's been fun, or it was fun for a little while. These <laughs> mm. are shutting back down now, but um, no, I've I've been looking forward to seeing people again and and being you know going out to dinner. Or those little things that we all took for granted before that we never really thought. You know. Yeah. You know, if you if you would have gone back and talked to yourself, your 2019 self, and told yourself this is what life will be in 2021. You thought you were nuts, you know? Yeah. And I'd also go back and say, invest in Pfizer. Yes. Go on the stock market. <laughs> Make some investments. Yeah. I wish <laughs> I'd have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have known? Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's funny because, um, like you think of like the kind of, uh, the creative, I, so I don't know, like in, in, in the UK, for example, there were a lot of like adverts during the pandemic of like, um, basically telling people to try to, um, you know, get involved in a job that was like a digital job. Mm. Um, it was a very funny sort of like thing of um, basically saying, um, you know, active like working jobs at the moment, like frontline, like working is, is not going to be the way to go digital though, because you can work from home. And that's what they were trying to sort of push um, on, on the public. It kind of got met with the typical kind of British, um, you know, zeal, if you will. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's it's strange. I don't know if like b uh, books and li literature in the next couple of years will have that kind of essence of what, what we've been going through in the last couple of years. You know, like, you, you know, you have uh, look at the, um, you know, like um, George Romero's uh, Dawn of the Dead, like yeah. where it's like consumerism, zombies, consumer, blah, 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 blah. Um, will you have that with you know, certain novels that kind of come out in the future. Like, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And, and it, I've noticed that a lot of the, the newer TV shows and well, some of them are embracing the, you know, mask wearing and their characters wear masks and they, they're in the, in the show, they're in a pandemic. And I don't notice that most of the, the, the newer TV shows get away from that. They want things to look normal, you know, before because people want an escape from, yeah, they don't be showing the kind of reality of like what yeah. we've been living for the past. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, I can understand that as well. Because um, at the end of the day, when you want to see, when you want, you, you're basically watching a movie for escapism as much as yeah. you're reading a novel or, you know, playing a video game or something like that is escapism. It's pure escapism. So you don't want to be reminded of the shit show that, you know, you, we just had to all go through. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Um I don't, I, I'm just trying to think of any kind of like shows that I've seen that have like, you know, people wearing masks and stuff. I don't think, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. I think like, like you mentioned, I think in the, you know, once things calm down, maybe in a year or two when things are getting back to normal and when we have some time to reflect and to kind of, you know, have some distance, I think you'll see a lot of the stories 
uh, for maybe from this point of point in time that it'll you'll see a, a change. Yeah. At least maybe some of them. But mm. it'll influence some. Well, I, hope, I mean, I hope the only thing I can hope for is that it kind of like you know expands people's kind of perceptions of you know even like sci-fi and stuff like that because most the best sci-fi that I like to read is sort of grounded in reality. There's like a you know, listen. I love as much as like the Star Trekky, Star Warsy sort of like style of things in terms of like you know spaceships and all that kind of stuff. But I also like the kind of Philip K. Dick sort of type of you know grounded grittiness of it as well. So the only thing I can hope of is that this kind of pro is provides a kind of um, catalyst, I guess, if you will, yeah. um, for people to use their imaginations a bit more and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Uh, for you, when you're writing, what or whether you're writing or you're reading or you're watching, what makes a character compelling to you? <clears throat> um, a compelling character would have to be someone that you can rally behind, I think. Like, you know, if you have a kind of protagonist, like with Birthday Trick, for example, um, I think with all three of the main characters, if you will, there's, there's George, there's uh, Alice, and there's Kavanagh. I think there's a little bit of me in every one of them. Hmm. And uh, I think with any author or any writer, um, when you're writing about a particular person, um, George, for example, is, you know, he's a bit of a hypochondriac, but uh, he's also, you know, going through the, the mill. He's, he's in a kind of loveless kind of marriage and all this kind of stuff. Um, and he's just he's just basically coasting um i think maybe that will resonate with some people because you know a lot of people have been coasting for the last xyz amount of months years whatever um alice is like she used to be in a kind of punk band and she you know she has this kind of like um sort of fuck the system type of attitude uh but also at the same time you know there has to be i think there has to be a mixture of vulnerability there has to be a mixture of um um you know, you, if you write, there's so many kind of stories that you read where a character is just very two-dimensional and there's no depth and there's no um, kind of, you want to find out more. Of, I think the best kind of uh, way of answering that would be to kind of like find out, you know, what makes this person tick? Um, what, why are they doing the things that they're doing? Um, you know, some of the, I, I mean, villains as well, like villains are probably the best, um, antag you know, antagonists of any kind of novel because like, you, why is this person doing this? Like, mm. I can understand like if, if it's like a revenge thing or if there's a, if they've been like betrayed or something like that and uh, they've gone down this dark path. And I think like, you know, we were talking about the sci-fi thing earlier but in terms of like, you know, with Star Wars and stuff like that. It, it's so simplistic in the kind of like, you know, the light side and the dark side and stuff like that. But where how did this person go there and stuff like that and um you know th those kind of things interest me yeah definitely um and uh yeah i it, right being able to do it's hard man like you know um but you need to i think you just need to um dig in and sort of like find out that's what that's what i love doing as well i love i love finding out a character's um moral compass and like you know you can you can have like you, of course you can have like the the guy who just goes around doing whatever he wants and all that kind of stuff and being cool about it and whatnot. But you also have the other person who's a bit of a coward maybe, um, but then kind of like has that moment of like, you know, self-fulfillment or redemption or whatever sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a good process to be able mm -hmm. to invest into that. Yeah. That's good. Uh, in your writing, do you leave secrets or Easter eggs in your books for people to find and or references to other things that you kind of sneak in there for readers to find? Um, well, well, okay. So I need to this 
good uh, example of this actually is I've just written a short story, um, but I need to kind of reference it before I need I need like a kind of little prelude to this. So one of the one of the um, anthologies that we've uh, produced is called Shallow Creek. Um, mm -hmm. It's like a horror anthology. So it was a competition essentially. What Storgy did, w what we did was um, we basically had a competition. And what would happen is, um, say for example, Steve, you submitted um, yourself into the, you wanted to become, a, what we would do is we'd give you a character, an item and a uh, location in the town of Shallow Creek. And then that would be like, you'd have to, like your story would have to, so we've got like a map of the of the place as well, like with locations and stuff like that. Um, and you would, you would essentially um, write about this character. We'd give you like a bio of the character, like, you know, certain characteristics and whatnot. So, there was all that kind of covered. Um, one of the stories um, is called uh, Dave Danvers' final, uh, sorry, um, what's it called? Uh, Dave Danvers' last foray into all things woo-woo, which is a great title. Um, but um, yeah, the character right. is Dave Danvers, he's like a paranormal investigator. He goes to the town of Shallow Creek because um, he's told about this thing. So in that respect, I've just written a short story. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's his brother. And I haven't actually contacted the author. I need to. I need to probably do that just to kind of like <laughs> make sure it's okay. Um, but like, uh, yeah, um, I, I just love the character so much in that particular story. Um, so what I've done is I've done a short story. It's his brother, and he references Dave Danvers in Shallow Creek, sort of thing. Mm. Um, so stuff like that in Birthday Treat. There are if there's there's a couple of things, maybe some names, maybe some like shop names and stuff like that that. Are, reference after people not too easter eggy um like in terms of uh you know referencing another book or anything like that but um yeah maybe some maybe some little really i mean unless you know me kind of like you know me intimately sort of thing like you probably wouldn't okay. you wouldn't get it sort of thing but there, there maybe are a little few things but yeah um mm. that's maybe something i need to do in the future perhaps yeah definitely i, I love easter eggs i love easter eggs um yeah, yeah. I have to keep my eyes out for that when we, when we read it. Uh, do you have a favorite author? Uh, I flip flop. I do flip flop. Um, I like I like uh, checking out new authors as well. Um, so, for example, Nick Cutter. Um, he uh, he did the the troop and mm -hmm. one that I just recently read, uh, which name I forget at the top of my head. Uh, let me just have a quick look here. Um, uh, the deep, the deep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm um, right there on my shelf. Oh, you got <laughs> it. Have you read, read it? it yet, but yeah, no, yeah, no, it's yeah. really good. It's really good. Um, but then you know, I can there's certain like authors like Diane Cook, for example, who did uh, Man v Nature. Um, but then Stephen King is also like it's it's one of those kind of comfortability type things. I would say in like the same things like movies, like no one's gonna ask you, like, what's your top five films. And you're like, well, ah, this, 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 and this. There's always going to be favorites, um, definitely. But I also like to, um, yeah, I also like to try to check out new things. So at the moment, at the moment, this precise moment in time, I would say Nick Cutter, because I do mm. like, I do like um, the Deep and the Troop, and uh, yeah, um, it's very good, very good. Um, but then I can also go back to, you know, like. Um, Charles Bukowski, um, you know, Jack Palahniuk, um, M.R. Carey, um, you know, oh God, uh, Adam Neville, even Nazi Croshaw. I don't know if, if you're familiar with uh, uh, 
his work sort of thing. He, he's, mm. he's, he's almost like, he's got a very Terry Pratchett sort of like style of writing. It's very kind of like a Mog World, uh, The Jam, stuff like that. He's, he's, he's very funny. Um, mm. I do like some, yeah, sort of surrealist sort of like comedy sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, at the moment, I'll take Nick Carr. Yeah, okay, Nick Carr, yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll change in a few minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite underappreciated books or authors? that you feel like are underappreciated? So, yeah, as I said, like with Yahtzee Croshaw sort of thing. Um, so he was, essentially, he did, um, uh, back in the day, like he did The Escapist. So he'd do like these very kind of like quick machine gun style critiques of video games. Um, mm. But he's also written some novels. Uh, and they're, they're very kind of meta, very funny. One was called Mog World, which was basically a kind of like rip on World of Warcraft. But it was also about uh, a video game. So the characters in the video game didn't know that they were in a video game. And then you'd have like sort of sub chapters where you have like the devs like chatting away and stuff like that about this kind of stuff. Really, really interesting. And really funny as well. Like he's, he's quite uh, a poet sort of thing with some of his kind of like roasting sort of comments uh, or, or just like lively dialogue. Um, any unappreciated? Um, I mean, I have to give a shout out to my boy Ross Jeffrey. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't read his stuff, then uh, do go for it. He he goes into the kind of horror element, um, and he was last year nominated uh, finalist as a Bram Stoker uh, finalist. Um, yeah, his his stuff is really good. Uh, check it out. Um, yeah, uh, Drew McCary. Um, he does um, uh, the Hike, which I read recently, which was really good. It's kind of like a weird Alice in Wonderland sort of type style uh, type tale uh where um a guy goes on a hike but then he kind of enters this weird parallel sort of world um mm. kind of weirdly I, I mm, would you describe it as fantasy i don't know um mm, really good though check it out like and mm. um yeah uh yeah i think those are the ones at the moment that i've been reading um yeah i hear a ton about ross jeffrey and it's having uh, there's so many books i want to read that it's hard to to keep up mm. yeah it's definitely on my list well i mean he's done there's a trilogy of his books um that are kind of novellas mm. if you want to dip your toe into it so there's one called juniper which um is set in this kind of town uh which is kind of like a kind of dust ball-y sort of town where most of the residents have kind of gone for whatever reason um and then the sequel to that is called tome and he's writing the third one now called scorched um, but they're all kind of intersecting like characters that so Tome is set is, is kind of weirdly like a prequel. So it's set before the events of the first book. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's um, he's doing he's crushing it. He's crushing it. It's good. Yeah, but to be Bram Stoker nominated, that's yeah, really great. Uh, what would what would be something that your readers would be surprised to learn about you? <laughs> you laugh. <Hello. laughs> um, <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. Uh, oh God. Um, surprised now. Um, um, I during well, obviously you know a lot of podcasts have appeared over the last year and a half and stuff like that. But um, myself and two friends, Brendan and Mike, got together. And we started doing a kind of podcasty sort of um, just to, just you know guys chatting basically about movies that we like and stuff like that. And um, we set something up there. It's called Inside Your Screen. Um, 
I uh, used to be able to put my legs over my head and do a crab sort of walk, but um, haven't attempted that for a long time. So apart from that, I don't know really, to be honest. <laughs> be careful with that one. You can pull a hammy or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I haven't I haven't attempted it for a long time now, so uh, I don't think that that'll only be coming out at party times when uh, you know the drinks are flowing. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, you, you have a, a you had a podcast talking about movies. Do you have any favorite directors or writers? Oh yeah. Um, so really, Scott was always um, like back when I was really young, uh, and I probably watched Alien before I was uh, meant to. Um, but his his visionary skills are just like unparalleled. Um, oh, that, there you go. There's another. I, I was an extra in his Robin Hood film, his Robin Hood interpretation. Oh, uh, really? It wasn't particularly uh, well received, sort of thing at the box office. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, it was fun. I just basically saw a newspaper article that basically said like Ridley Scott film extra, and I was like, sign me up. I'm there uh, just to kind of see how he works because that that's always intrigued me. Um, yeah, really, Scott. Um, Denny Villeneuve. Uh, like, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to the new June uh, film coming out. Um, no surprising thing. Uh, haven't read June. Have never mm. read June. Um, so that's I, I kind of I probably need to read that before the film comes out, just so I get more of a, um, you know, whole capture of the whole scene sort of thing. Uh, what do you like? Do you do you read like books? Like if you see a movie adaptation that's coming out of a book and you haven't read the book, do you try and read the book first before you see the film, or are you just like I'm going to watch it and see how I go? <laughs> Uh, it depends for, for Dune. I don't, I don't really have any interest in reading the book, <laughs> so I'll, I'll probably just watch the movie, but if there's something else, I, I try to read the book first. I try to, yeah. but not always possible. Sometimes I yeah. can't wait. Like with it, uh, I really wanted to read the book before I saw the, was it 2017? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was so excited to watch that movie that I was halfway through the book and I thought I'm just going to watch the movie and and just I'll, I'll get back to the book when I'm done with the movie. Yeah. And I did not like the movie at all. So I did you, not want to go back to the book. Did you watch the, the, the kind of TV, made for TV sort of uh, first iteration of uh, It? Did you see that one? Yeah. And it scared, the, scared the crap out of me when I was younger. But And I, <laughs> I, I, I love the story because of that uh, miniseries. And mm. I'm sure if I watched it now, it'd be really cheesy. And, you know, it, it's just, I don't know if it holds up or not. But... Well, it's interesting because that, that that is interesting because like I was the same. Like, I watched, I obviously watched the 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 TV made the TV miniseries uh, first, and then when I knew that the the kind of the new uh, version was coming out, I read the book because it is a it's a dense book. It's really thick, yeah. um, and there's so much. This is why I prefer reading the books, seeing the kind of movie adaptation because um, you know you can. There's so much stuff that gets lost between the panels in that respect. Yeah. And uh, with it, for example, there's so much stuff that even though in the new version they do, I, I think they have more of a faithful adaptation to the book in the new version than they do it in the previous one. But I prefer the previous one. Now, I don't know if that's because of that nostalgic, like that, that's what I was watching growing up. But I'm the same with you. I didn't, I didn't really love the, the new version. Um, mm, it's interesting. Yeah, the the horror elements and the CGI just didn't. It, it seemed too by the numbers for me. It seemed like every other horror movie you watch. It was a very safe kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it just didn't just didn't do it for me. So I, I did not care for the movie. So then I I kind of the wind got out of my sails and I didn't finish the book. Yeah, <laughs> I think part one was actually better than part two. Um, 
Yeah. That's yeah. what I hear that part two is not very good. So if yeah. I didn't like the funny thing is when most people say I did not like that movie and I go watch it, I'll, I usually enjoy it more than most people. Yeah. yeah so yeah. maybe I'll enjoy it. But yeah. yeah. And uh, you mentioned Den uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, have you mm. seen Enemy? Enemy? Um, no. It's with, um, I forget his name. He was in Prisoners. He's a famous actor. Uh, Prisoners, and he was in, um, gosh, I don't know why I can't think of his name. Uh, he was he was in... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was in that. He was the... Enemy, enemy. Yeah. It, what's it, what's it about? One of his first films, it was um, about a. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. It's uh, it's one of those mind bending. Yeah. Films. I'm just trying to think. Of, like, it rings a bell, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just really him and one other actress that I can't remember her name, but it's interesting. So if you if you're looking for a film to watch, yeah, and you're like I, him, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I love everything that he's done like so far, like like Blade Runner, even like with Blade Runner 2049. Um, uh, uh, what was the one? Uh, Arrival, Arrival. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amy Adams. Um, yeah, he he's he's one. Yeah, uh, definitely has uh, once again like like Ridley Scott like has a very kind of visual um, sense sensibility, which I appreciate sort of thing with directors. But there's also like you know, I mean, I, I, I like Cronenberg, um, uh, um, John Carpenter. Like um, my girlfriend, I was actually uh, my girlfriend at the moment, sort of thing. Is is she hasn't really watched any John Carpenter films, so I've been giving her like this kind of like very kind of like we're going to watch this tonight, you know, Big Trouble Little China, and oh yeah. But I, I think I should have started off. I think I think I should have started off slow. I should have started off like Assault on Precinct Thirteen, and then got to like They Live, and then sort of like because uh, Big Trouble Little China is very fantastical, and yeah. I love it. Um, but also at the same time, I think it might have been a bit of a too much of a. She was like sitting there going, "What is going on here? Why? 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 Who? Girl with green eyes? Like what? What is it? What are these? What's this? What's this thing? Like you know?" I was like sitting there going, "It's great! It's fantastic!" And then you have like the three Raiden characters. Yeah, it's too much, I think. But um, yeah. Um, so I'm <laughs> I'm kind of like going through the through the uh, catalog of John Carpenter at the moment, which I love. I, I I think he's a great director as well and a uh, music composer. Like I love his music. I think he was touring um, hmm. for the pandemic sort of thing. And I, I, one of my regrets is that I didn't go to see that because I, I think that would have been fucking amazing. Um, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, guy's got to be like, you know, 102 now. So, yeah, I was going to say, I think his son wrote or directed uh, Possessor. I don't know if you saw that. It was a, like a science fiction horror. Oh, that was movie. David Cronenberg's son. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that. I did watch that. I thought that was really good. I thought yeah. that was amazing. Um, and it's like, you know, you've got these kind of like body horror sort of style um, films and books and stuff like that. But I didn't think, I think it, 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 it very well balanced the line of, you know, going from that body horror shock stuff um, to, you know, ground. And even though it's like a kind of sci-fi type of film in like in terms of like jacking into someone else's mind and using them as a kind of puppet and all that kind of stuff. Very good. I, I Yeah, it was one of my, I think, was that 2019, 2020? I think, yeah, I think right around then. Yeah. But that was that was one of my films of the year type of thing. That was a really good. And she, um, what's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name. Oh, that's going to bug me. She was really good anyway. She, oh, she's yeah. a phenomenal actress. She's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. I, I, talking speaking about Possessor, but there's a. That's the kind of world that I think there's so many more stories to tell. 
in that world. Mm. It's, there's, mm. it's such a, a great world. To, it's just full of stories to want to be told. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you know, have this kind of like being able to jack into someone's like consciousness and control them for a, for a limited amount of time. And but then the kind of what I loved about that as well is because like it shows there's a there's a very poignant scene sort of thing where she's at she's coming back to her family who she may be estranged from. You don't really know. And she's like just sitting there like before she goes in like, hello, 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 because she she's losing herself. Um mm -hmm. Those kind of scenes, like those are the things that really kind of speak to you, sort of thing. That, yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed yeah. that. I really enjoyed that film. Yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did, speak, uh, really, Scott? You mentioned really, Scott. What did mm. you think of uh, Alien Covenant and Prometheus? Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're a fan of the Alien franchise. So I am. I am. Curious to hear um, your thoughts. <laughs> so, okay, so um, I was having weirdly, I was having this conversation with my flatmate uh, the other day. Um, there's a lot of people that don't like the, the kind of weird prequels. Um, it's a strange one because I actually like the direction of where he was trying to take it in terms of like, look, I mean, he said himself that, you know, the beast is dead. Um, you know, once you, once you've kind of, um, you have this kind of like, you know, look back to 1979 when alien first came out and you have this kind of like this, monolithic sort of creature designed by um hr geiger sort of thing that was just so like terrifying like the, the the one the only kind of like the only one sort of like monster uh movie feature kind of character that is like literally terrifying um then you had aliens like james cameron did like a really like in, you know everyone has their kind of favorites and stuff like that but what he then did was like make it and kind of like have this, have this like military sort of style, like, you know, Vietnam type thing going on. Um, but there was like plentiful amounts of them. Um, and then in Alien 3, that's when it sort of started dipping a little bit sort of thing. But even with, I, I still think Alien 3 is a, a great film uh, and has like, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's very dark, um, which I appreciate. But then the prequels, it was like, look, we can't really have the xenomorph anymore. Like it's been done to death. It's been like by that time you had the aliens versus predator films, which mm. they're great. Pardon me. Um, so he kind of he turned around. He was like, "What about the end? Remember that space jockey from the first film? Like, how about we try and find out what was going on then?" And then you have the kind of AI thing um, with David, uh, played by um, uh, Michael Fassbender, sort of thing. Like, who was the you know standout from that? Um, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed. Prometheus, I think more so than Covenant, because Prometheus, they kind of went with a kind of like we're, you know, we're gonna we're gonna sort of probe into kind of like religion and like you know how mm -hmm. these engineers came down and are they our makers? Like we don't know. Like, I really enjoyed that kind of um, aspect of it. Um, and there's some once again some really good scenes in there. Um, you know what he tried to basically do was like uh, recreate the kind of chestburster scene from the original Alien with the squid thing in. Um, What's the name? Uh, uh, Shaw's character, uh, Shaw's, mm. you know, thing, blah blah. Um, and I think it worked. I, 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 they had that little moment that they had that little stinger at the end where you had like the deacon, where like mm. at the very end, the engineer, it comes out, the engineer is like, oh, there's the but with Covenant. I think what basically happened there was that there was too much feedback saying like we need aliens in this alien film, and it was like okay, we we need to kind of put aliens in this, um, and it just became very standard and safe and it was like 
oh man that's not that's not what i was looking for man you know i would i would and, and elizabeth shaw like her character's like killed off off screen yeah. like you don't even it was very yeah there was, I, I just think there was a lot of production issues going on with that one um but what i was really hoping to see was that neil blanc comped uh the, the um his version of like alien three so basically he was uh, retconning you know and he'd bring back uh michael bean and scorny weaver for like uh hicks and uh ripley and um yeah because obviously Brady Scott was having his stuff. It's it just it's just one of those kind of weird, um, you know, like Hollywood style things of like what what could have been, yeah. what what could have been there. But I am looking forward. Hopefully, I don't know what's going to be happening, but um, I haven't heard anything. But I'm looking forward to the third one that kind of now pieces that to the derelict ships landing on LV uh, four twenty six sort of thing, where you know the original crew of the Stromo come down on the planet and you know see that. So I hope I hope. It would be, it'd be, I just think it'd be weird if they didn't come up with a third film uh, for that. But they need to do some. I, I don't know what they're planning to do with it. I don't know how you can sort of surprise the audience, if you know what I mean. I think everyone now at the moment is just waiting for that. You just need it done. Like when George Lucas went back for his prequels and it was like, this is how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. It's like, do we really need to know that? You know, we don't really. He's the, he was the boogeyman. He was the best villain, like one of the best villains. He's one of those kind of, you know, BuzzFeed type things of like 50 best villains of all time. He'd usually be in the top five. Um, do we need to know the sulky emo sort of teenager becoming this thing? We don't really. And I kind of had that kind of concept with the Alien films. It was like, I think it's done. Because um, there's so much other, there's other stories and they're doing the Alien series. Uh, yeah. Alien TV series is coming out now sort of thing. So, Maybe I'm just like sounding like an old boomer jaded kind of guy, but um, <laughs> I think yeah, maybe we need to go on to new things, new storylines, new characters. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a rich environment, a rich world, and that's the thing. That's what I love about it. But they seem to always kind of come back to certain like I don't know certain characters. Is like it's done. Like just move on, do something else, do something new. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like you mentioned, I think. Uh, after the response to Prometheus, I think people said, well, we want aliens in an alien movie. And he, and he kind of like took it the other way and said, okay, here you go. And here's the run by the numbers type of story. And you yeah. send it through the airlock again. And it's, it's all. It was, all yeah. That, that's the thing that disappointed me was it was just literally like a kind of retreading of alien and aliens, like at the end of spoiler warning, but you know, the film has been out for, I don't know how many years, but you know, they, they blast the alien out into space again. It's like, how many times can you do that? Like, you know, Come on, yeah, yeah. It was a little. The Covenant was a little bit disappointing. Uh, Prometheus, actually, I, I still, even though I had its flaws, mm. you know, with the <coughs> character flaws in terms of like you know the two guys, Fifield and um, the other guy, when they're like, we're leaving, we're getting out of here, and then they get lost, and it's like, oh, what's this cute little thing? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, would, you would go up to a creature that looks like some weird fucking. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, I prefer yeah. that. And the you've seen the assembly cut of Alien Three, right? The um, um, yeah, his name bizarre. Um, so the character of um, he's an English, well, mainly all English actors, but like uh, uh, he's a, he's one of the brothers. Uh, Charles Dance is it? No, no, no. Um, the guy who's uh, he says is like a demon because there's a whole section oh. of the hell, um, that where uh, they basically trap Yeah, I his name. Uh, so yeah. with Nell and I. Um, Ah, oh, I forget his name. Um, anyway, but there's there's this whole 
sequence that they cut out from the original theatrical cut, which I just thought was ludicrous because it makes it it's so good. They basically trap the alien in this kind of like um, nuclear waste room, and then he lets it out, sort of thing. And that yeah, and, and also that the kind of like the alien comes from a uh, like a cow or something rather than a, like a the dog. There's just so much stuff there that was like um, so good that they, you know, just didn't do but the theatrical release i thought was when i first watched it i wasn't disappointed with it i thought actually what they're trying to i, I could see what they were trying to do like you know you had aliens which was like very kind of like they're just numerous in their vast amount sort of thing and they're like you know basically just becoming the the actual i think one of the um sort of negative things of aliens is that you're making the actual xenomorph like this kind of uh ex not expendable character but like this very easily uh sort of so when you have like one like if you've played alien isolation um <laughs> then you know that one alien is going to be pants wettingly terrifying uh and that's what i thought they were trying to do with alien 3 and it was a much more darker sort of tone and like a lot more religious iconography going on and everything like that but um yeah apparently you know it didn't not a lot of people resonated towards it because whatever. But um, no, I thought I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Not so much Alien Resurrection though. Uh, Less about the better. I forget. I try to forget that ever happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, I think the the prequels. I think the timeline is a little wonky with matching up to the first Alien movie. So I I, I would be curious to see if they ever make that third movie but now that disney owns the franchise i don't know if that's ever gonna well happen. this is it now it's yeah i know they're coming out with a new predator film um skulls which is meant hmm. to be like the first predator coming to earth and this uh it's going to be with this indigenous tribe hmm. that's going to be interesting um because once again that's another kind of movie monster character that i think has died a death in respect of you know um once again, as, as I mentioned before, like when I watched the first Predator film, like it was very interesting because when I first watched it, it was like, all right, these these Marines going into the jungle and then it becomes like a sci-fi film halfway through. It's like an action film to the first, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And then it suddenly becomes this like sci-fi monster movie, which blew my mind sort of thing. Um, but now it's become so sort of um you know branded and like you know the the so much magazines and comics and spin-offs and blah 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 like it's, it's lost it's kind of it's lost the fangs if you get what i mean yeah. um so yeah i don't really know with this new one coming out how they how it's gonna really give you much is it just gonna be like i mean i, I robert rodriguez's predators um i i actually quite enjoyed yeah i like the concept of like you know these like what was it like seven or eight different people and they're like meant to be the best in their fields on this alien islands i thought that was a great concept and then uh shane um what's his name shane black's um the predator was just such a misfire like he's a he's a great director and a great writer i love like once again kiss kiss bang bang is one of my favorite films i think mm -hmm. it's a, he's a great he knows dialogue he knows how to do dialogue um but then that one it just came out it was just like it was so like bizarre it was just like <laughs> It wasn't a Predator film. It was like, what you do? I don't understand what's going on here. Is it a comedy? Is it like, you know, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, yeah it's too bad. So many missed opportunities. Mm. And studio interference. And uh, Do you have a favorite book to movie adaptation? 
Um, so, okay. I do, but it's not. Okay. So Blade Runner is one. Okay, yeah, that's right. I had to think a lot. Blade Runner is one of my favorite films. That's one of the top five that's up there sort of thing. Um, so do androids dream of electric sheep? Um, but it's a very different novel than what the actual film is. So in a kind of weird way, it doesn't really represent the book, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. there's so much more, once again, as we were talking about earlier in terms of like, you know, when you read a book, um, when you see like a movie, there's so much nuance. There's so much more stuff that goes in the book that you can like pick up on. And uh, I think I'd watched Blade Runner, like I can't remember the first time I watched it sort of thing. And then I read the book based on the fact that, wow, this movie is great. I want to read the book now. Um, and it was so different. It, it, it was like complete 180 me sort of thing in that respect. Um, Cormac McCarthy, No Country for Old Men. Mm. Um, very faithful in that respect. Uh, mm, uh, M.R. Carey, Girl of All the Gifts. Um, mm. Not just because Gemma Arterton's in it and um, one day she may become my future wife. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what about you? Um, I think I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time naming a, a book or I'm sorry, a movie that's better than the book. I think mm. the book is probably always better because when you experience a book, it's in your own mind and it's hard to outdo that. I mean, but as far as favorite adaptation, I think probably, that's probably a generic answer, but maybe Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Crichton. Um, I, yeah, I remember like, I was, once again, it, there's so much more information in the book about, like, you know, just that kind of stuff. Um, I was going to ask you, like, um, do you ever feel, if you've watched a movie that, you know, is based on the book, but then read the book, do you always have, like, the character, like, the actor in your mind when that's something that's always bugged me? Like, for example, say, like, Jurassic Park, you know, like, um, with, uh, what's his name, Dr. Malcolm, like, uh, Jeff Gold, um, Jeff uh, Goldblum, right? Goldblum, yeah. yeah. Um, like, you can't see anyone else but Jeff Goldblum being Dr. Malcolm, uh, you know. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah. That's why I always, because I like I like to kind of conjure up my own images of how a character is represented. Um, 1408, for example, the Stephen King one, which was a short uh, story that he did, which is basically the kind of haunted room, house, hotel thing. Uh, John, John Cusack and, you know, um, Samuel L. Jackson playing like two main characters and that kind of stuff. Uh, but when I first read it, like, I, you know, it's that weird thing where you're doing your own kind of casting in your own head of like, you know, who would you see as this person and all that kind of stuff. But when you've seen the movie and then come back to the novel and then read the novel, you can't help but see that person in the thing. And I think that's sometimes a bit of a, yeah, a bit of mindfuckery. Yeah, definitely. It, and after after uh, Game of Game of Thrones, the TV show ended, and it was it, it yeah. So after that disaster, eighth mm, um, season. Oh no! Yeah, I've been wanting to read the books for a long time, and I thought well, maybe it's time to read the books, and maybe it'll wash this bad taste in my mouth. And I just couldn't get into it because I kept I kept seeing these same actors, and I it just I needed some time to some distance from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, I I did um back when the first series came out, I worked for Sky, um, and they actually had as a promotion thing they gave like pretty much everyone the book, and I I got really into it. Um, yeah, but you know what? It's been so long now that I've 
I can't because he hasn't even like, the thing is he still hasn't even finished. Um, I can't even remember. I think there's two more books that are going to come out, yeah. and one was going to come out like two years ago, and he missed the deadline. And uh, it was like, well, it's going to be done when it's done. It's like, okay, I get that. But um, I think the buzz now for that, like, it's going to be weird when that book does come out because will people, you know what I mean? Like, will people be interested there again? Because I think that kind of whole wave has been done now. I don't know. He's in a no-win situation for sure. Yeah. Mm. No matter what, no matter what he does, this is not going to be good enough. Now that the TV show ended the way it did, that's it. Yeah, um, it's a shame as well that last season was so convoluted. No, let's just put it that way. It's been polite, I guess, but what a mess! What a mess! It's just such a shame. What a mess! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no! Bad. And you have the Starbucks. The Starbucks thing will always be there. The Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah, all just the weird things that happen. Even halfway through season seven, it just got really weird. Mm. You could tell when, you know, when we we got a bunch of dick jokes is when the they ran out of material, and it became dick jokes and really ridiculous things. Yeah, so you, you could see the drop off in certain storylines towards the mid, you know the middle of the seventh season. Things started to deteriorate and fall apart, and I thought, well, they'll they'll pull the eighth season off. They'll find a way, and no, uh, no, it's 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 an interesting concept though, like in terms of like as you said, like in terms of. When you have source material that has all the, you know, like wording and like, you know, you know, you can, you have to play around with it because you're making a mini series or whatever. So you're going to have to cut corners uh, in terms of, you know, there's so much um, subtext or there's so many characters in the book that don't even make it into the Game of Thrones series. Um, but you kind of like sit back and go like, well, you know, if you don't have that source material and now you've just got like, I'm not, blaming the writers kind of am kind of blame the writers. but like you know you kind of like go like well um you know where do you go sort of thing because yeah it just seems it just went way off base kind of thing um yeah it's a shame it's a shame but yeah you yeah it's, it's too bad it's uh, i don't envy him he's uh, george R. R. martin is in a is a rough position yeah yeah. yeah, I just, I mean, I hope, you know, he does finally manage to get the books out there um, and just then it's done kind of thing. Um, and who knows, maybe they'll even do like a reboot. I don't know. Uh, well, aren't they doing, um, isn't there like a kind of prequel that they're going to be coming out with a new series? It's going to be like a prequel before the events of Game of Thrones. There's going to be like a whole going into, into the Targaryen sort of family and stuff like that as well. And yeah, I think it's early next year or maybe summer next year. Yeah, is that, yeah I think they're working, they're filming now, I, I believe. Oh, what are your thoughts on the um, Tolkien on the um, uh, the series coming on Amazon? That's going to be coming out um, before whole Lord of the Rings type trilogy. Uh, I mean, I, I guess. Well, it, I think it's funny that they spent more money on one season of this TV show than than they did all three films put together. Mm, mm. So. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people excited about it. I'm just, I'd rather see something. There's so many, so much great material out there that that is just begging to be made, yeah, into a TV show or into a movie or anything. And I, I'm sure I'll I'll probably end up, I'll probably end up giving it a watch, but I'd rather see something else. There's so many, so much great material out there that just wants to be made. Mm. That I'd rather see something new, and that is why Netflix. I do um, with Netflix. I know they they cancel things fast sometimes, but at least they yeah. make, they pump out a lot of original material. 
Well, it was interesting because like you had the um, was it Ju Juniper, uh, Jupiter Ascending? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that, uh, the one uh, based on the graphic novel, and they made one series of it, clearly going for like a second series, and then it cancelled, yeah. done. And it's that whole, I, I don't know how they do their algorithms in terms of like, you know, who if it's rated well or not sort of thing, but it's, it's a fascinating kind of concept in terms of like, you know, you have this kind of like, you have a series of something, and then suddenly it's like, nah, we're not, we're not, we're not doing it. Like The Boys is, that, is another example, mm -hmm. like... Um, you know, I know the third series will probably be coming out at some point next year or whatever sort of thing. I've been enjoying that, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With, I haven't seen Jupiter ascending, but I think it, it was weird that it was in the it was like number one on their list mm. and they canceled it the same week. I, I think the way they do it from what I, what I've, what I've seen is that they go by, uh, they don't go by views or minutes. They yeah. go by subscriptions. So if they see subscriptions increase, then they renew things. I don't know how they tie in new subscriptions to yeah. certain. I'm sure there's some way that they connect it, but I think it's if more subscriptions, new subscriptions, uh, subscription there's, there's, like a, there's obviously an amount that they need to kind of almost like box office type success. It's yeah. like if, if there's like X, Y, Z amount of subscriptions, then you're good for another series kind of thing. It's such a weird, it's, it's such a weird way of doing it. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And it, it's it's really strange because they'll they'll cancel something like Jupiter, and I, I didn't see it, but they canceled Jupiter Ascending when it was number one on the charts. Mm. And these network TV shows that get canceled and end up on Netflix, and they save these these weird TV shows that no one watched on network TV, and then they save yeah. much money on. So yeah, so. it's a, it's an odd one. I don't understand it. Like sort of thing. There's um talking about on because I've got Amazon as well, sort of thing. And there's one um, Nine Perfect Strangers. I'm starting to watch kind of thing uh, based on the on the book. Um, Nicole Kidman plays this kind of like, uh, this, there's this like retreat, um, where like these uh, characters go to, to kind of like better themselves. But there's like this kind of like weird undertone of like other things going on. I'm enjoying it so far. I think there's only like three or four episodes out at the moment, but, um, uh, what day is it today? Today is the, let's see. 28th, 29th, 28th. I think, the, yeah, I think one should, I think the next episode should be out. So, um, I'll check that out this weekend. Something. So, hmm. but yeah, um, that's what I recommend at the moment. Um, yeah, not that you ask, but uh, yeah. <laughs> any recommendations that you have? Anything um, you've seen the, recently, or the last thing? Well, every every month we have a, a little group that we do buddy reads, and uh, we started we started doing this thing where every 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 month um, we would uh, choose a TV show from Netflix and watch it, and then we come in, we talk about the series. The last mm -hmm. one we did was Catla. It's Catla. the ice cat. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's an Icelandic. It's an Iceland. It's a it's filmed in Iceland. It's I think they speak. Um, I forget the language, the official name, but it's a uh, it's basic. It's a real place. There's a volcano that's on a mm. glacier. Okay, and they built the story around it. It's like a. I think it's probably psychological horror. I, yeah. I think you'd call it. And if I don't, have you seen Dark? Dark, just Dark. Dark on Netflix. No. Okay. As soon as we're done here, yeah, you have to go watch Dark. Okay. Let me there's let me do a little quick check. Dark. There's Netflix. three seasons, and it's uh -huh. in. Don't don't do the dubbed. Don't do the English dubbing. Do the okay. subtitles. Okay. Uh, it, so when they originally planned out the series, they they knew it was going to be three seasons. So they 
they plotted it three seasons and it's over. We have a story you want to tell. So uh, Jeff Lane, he's an author. He wrote One Way in the Champion Saga. We started talking and he he hadn't watched it, so we watched it together again and we we came and we would chat about each season, but it is just, I mean, fantastic. So it Catler reminded me of that and that that kind of psychological um, yeah. horror. But um, yeah, Catler was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was... Um, it was strained. It ended on like a, uh, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause I'm always on the lookout for like new things that, um, or new TV series sort of thing that I, uh, can get into sort of thing. So those, yeah. those are both good recommendations. So yeah. Definitely yeah. That out, yeah. And just a heads up, Cadla is a, it's a slow burn. There's some mm-hmm. like halfway through the season. It's, it can be a little slow, but so if you, uh, I know some people don't like the slower burns, but if that doesn't bother you, then I love slow burns. I love yeah. slow burns. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Too. yeah. And uh, I think before that we watched. Um, what did we see before that? We watched. Uh, well, my wife and I watched Black Summer. I don't. It's the zombie yeah, show. Yeah. Do you watch the second series? Yeah, we watched both. What do you think seasons. of the second series? It wasn't as good as the first. Mm, um, I think this. I have you have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the first season I thought was pretty good. I think the second season lost a little bit of focus. I think it, because mm. I think the first season had, had a, there was a lot of different stories they were telling, but I think the main backbone was a mother trying to get back to her daughter. Yeah. And the second season, it kind of meandered a little bit. Mm. And it was kind of just, I don't really know how it was connected, but I do like that. I think it, it seemed you know, and call a zombie show realistic, but it seemed in that kind of situation, people wouldn't, or unless they were organized and trained, they wouldn't be really aggressive. Yeah. I think most people would be, um, you know, really uh, slick, and you know, they they would try to lure you in, yeah. find out what you have, and then take advantage yeah. of you. you yeah. know, they wouldn't be really overt about it. They would be, um, you know, they would take their time. And they would be friendly, and you would see little signs that there was they're dangerous or what their intentions are. So I, I think that's probably what would happen if shit hit the fan the way it did in the show. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, um, yeah, it's, it was a bit weird because like, um, I love the kind of like, uh, the narrative structure of how it's done in the first series, for example, like, as you said, like there's a lot more characters. And so you'd be like, <coughs> you know, um, someone like if, if, if one sort of like, um, narrative ended, but then you saw another character. I love that crisscrossing yeah. juxtaposition sort of type of thing, if that makes sense. But um, in the second one, yeah, it was a bit more just kind of cutting away and cutting come back. And yeah, as you said, like, there didn't seem to be like, you know, in the first one, you have that mother trying to find a daughter type narrative uh, angle going on. But with this one, it was just like, we're just trying to survive. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I, I think it's like The Walking Dead. I don't know if you uh, catch The Walking Dead or anything like that, but I got... To, you know when Negan turned up and there was that whole like cliffhanger um, scenario with the baseball bat, and it was like that's when I kind of lost interest. And I haven't really kind of picked up on it since then, um, and I don't think I don't mind that, so it's fine. Yeah, I used to love the comic, and that's that's why I oh, yeah. really wanted to see the TV show. And, and the comic pulled that off so oh, well. Oh yeah, really, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the show just yeah. After that, that's when I started losing interest too, and it just became the same thing over and over again. It's like how many times can you go from like a settlement, build it up, gets overrun, go to another settlement, build it up, gets overrun. It's like, yeah, 
Yeah. And I I think I think it, it got stuck in kind of the same thing Lost did when Lost was on TV is they saw that it was, they saw yeah. that it was it was successful and they said stretch you know with this story that you can tell in five seasons stretch it out to fifteen yeah so then it it, it just it was like you know they that was the yeah that was a really disappointing thing we lost I mean because um it was it it's it was so like um novel at the time you know this kind of like whole down plane jet surviving on an island um, smoke monster and you know, everything. And then it just meandered its way through. Like, it, how many series? I can't remember eight, even how many series. It was like seven series or something? Eight seven series? Seven or eight, I think. Yeah. It's like, it should have been five at the most. Yeah. And, you know, even today, like, you, I suppose it, there's this kind of like, in, and this is for going back to writing and stuff like that. There's a deus ex machina sort of thing where it turns up for like, you know, how do you, how do you, um, when you've kind of, painted yourself into a corner how do you get out and it's like is it purgatory is it like no we're just gonna have these once again they go with the good and the bad like you know we had this was it jacob and the guy and it was like oh there's this literal plug in the it's like oh man really is that is that what we're going with okay yeah. right but at the same time it's like you can't how could they how could they have done anything differently like, everyone was like the the forums were like oh it's poetry they're, they're all dead anyway aren't they sort of thing and yeah, it's like no, we're just gonna make it like this good versus bad thing, and uh, I, I can't even remember how it ended. Um, I think they um, they survived, but they all ended up. That's uh, be guardians the, after, the, and yeah. I think they because they had gone through that experience, they all came back together mm. in the afterlife, I guess, or something. Yeah, but I think when when you have a show like that, when you you keep raising the stakes and you keep asking questions. Yeah, it it just builds and builds and builds, and then nothing will ever be satisfying yeah. because you have so many theories and so many things. You know, well, it's funny. So like, that's uh, tough. yeah, I mentioned like about before about um, you know, like with Marvel, for example, at the moment, and like in terms of like the build up of right for me, for example, I remember coming out of the cinema with my friends, and we were like, this was uh, Endgame, and I came out and I was like, right, that's me done now for the Marvel sort of franchise because. They've, you know, you've got this, um, you've, you've built up throughout the whole like 10 years or whatever it was of like, you know, from Iron Man to Thor to even Credible Hulk was like the original sort of thing all that kind of stuff. But now you've had this like cosmic kind of like character, Thanos, who's like, you know, basically uh, done the, the boop thing. Um, and, <laughs> you know, now it's like, where do you go from there? Like, how, how, how do you raise the bar now? And like, you can see it now. And I, I mentioned before we recorded sort of thing about Spider-Man, watching the new Spider-Man trailer. Um, now you're introducing multiverses and now you're introducing all these like cosmic elements that are like, so it's like, are you, is it, is it too much? Like, is it going a bit too kind of crazy now? I think, you know, Marvel, I think saturated quite a while ago and even with Disney plus and with Loki and one division and stuff like that, they're nice little caveats, but like at the same time, it's like, I think, I think with phase four, it's like, Mm, the kind of what's the, what's the new one coming out? Um, uh, Shang uh, Shang Chi or something. Shang Chi, yeah. yeah. It's like okay, you have got like a father conflict thing going on there, but like, are you gonna? In, yeah, I, Marvel's done for me now in that respect in the kind of movie universe. Uh, it was great, don't get me wrong, like I enjoyed it, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I checked out of the MCU around Iron Man. I was like, yeah. I, oh I wow. 
We could not stay awake during Captain America, the first one. There was a couple of stent, like Thor Ragnarok, I thought was good. Uh, it was funny. Yeah, I think um, um, uh, Love and Thunder will be because it's Taika Waititi. Uh, he he's he's funny. Like I mean, his direction is like I, I appreciate what he did with Thor Ragnarok. Um, yeah. like, it was actually quite funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm done done with that kind of whole thing now. It's time to move on to other things. So yeah, I wish DC would get their crap together because they have you know because I, I admire them for for them taking chances like Joker. Yeah, Disney would ever would never make a movie like Joker. That's the thing, isn't it? Like it's it's really interesting because like I remember when it was first announced that like we're doing this kind of like Travis Bickle taxi driver Joker story, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is gonna be shit," uh. and it came out. And it was like amazing. Um, I don't think it warrants a sequel, though. No, I don't think so either. And I don't know. There's like this weird part of me of like, okay, yeah, it was a great success, but. Does it need a sequel? No. Um, yeah, they need. Yeah, they 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 messed up royally with the whole um, Justice League thing. Um, they were trying to do too much. They were trying to do what Marvel did, but in a less amount of time. And even with the Snyder cut and everything like that, it's like I mean, I watched that and I was like, I understand now why Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg, was pissed. Uh, yeah. I get that because you know he's the heart of the story basically, and like his whole narrative structure was just like thrown out the window for the theatrical cut. So I understand yeah. like, why, why he was upset. Um, but also at the same time, it's yeah. Like, you know, uh, uh, Snowpiercer, for example, like that was uh, originally a graphic novel. Um, and then was made into the movie with Chris Evans, uh, and then was made into the Netflix, uh, um, series as well, which I've really enjoyed. Um, but like stuff like that, like I really enjoy those type of things. It's like you know, you're taking this kind of concept of like you know, the world is dead basically, and we're on this train that's just like going throughout the world, um, and it's the only kind of source of heat. And you know, there's this class, there's a whole class element thing going on as well. And I think that's the reason why I kind of like Alien as well. Like just going back to that is because like you know, on the Nostromo, you have like this, you know, you have these decks, and you have like the kind of like you know the grease monkeys that are like Brett and Parker, and then you have like the warrant officers, and then you have like the science officers, and there's this whole hierarchy of things that you don't really see too much these days. Which I, mm. you know, I really wish that they sort of had that a bit more in certain movies and stuff. I think that's really interesting because uh, it's prevalent in today's society, sort of like in terms of, you know, uh, people who work for, you know, bosses and stuff like that. And you always have that. I don't, you know, the job that I'm working in and stuff like that, you always go like, you know, you have bosses and stuff like this and different bosses and different kind of people. <laughs> and, stuff, and there's a mix and match of different personalities. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but like, it's, it's interesting. So it's, it's nothing, it's not something you see, much these days in terms of films and books and stuff. You get that TPS report. <laughs> I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's too, it's, it's too, a little too close to real life. Great. Great movie. Yeah. My judge is great. Yeah. And you mentioned work. How do you, how do you uh, balance your time between writing and your work? And is there some, do you have, do you dedicate time out of your day to write and to read? And um, so I'm not, I know there's a lot of people that are very regimented. I'm not a regimented person. Um, like I was saying before, like um, in terms, sometimes there will be, I don't. So for example, uh, some people are like, yeah, I write every day. 
that's cool. That's great. I, I, I don't think I don't write every day. Um, I once again, I force myself sometimes to sit down and see, look at a blank screen and go, okay, I'm going to, going to do something. And whether it's a short story or just continuing on from something I've done, I don't really have a regiment. There was actually a really interesting article that I read, um, a reporter, I think this was on the independent or something like that, a reporter. She basically, she tried to mimic, uh, sort of household name writers regimes. So for example, um, I can't remember the, the authors that she, um, quotes in this article but like there's one that's like get up at 5 a.m go for a swim for an hour come back have some coffee write continuously for like three hours da da da, da. then there's another one that's like you know i wake up at 11 um i i kind of like it's all it's all scattergun but she 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 went through and like she basically gives her examples of how which ones for her worked and i think that's pretty much what the case is is like whatever works for you you could be one of those kind of people that wakes up at like 5 a.m and likes like if you have a family if you have kids that you know are going to be up at a certain time and stuff like that then you know you probably need to i don't i don't have any children myself um so in that respect I, i'm more freer i guess but also at the same time as i said before i'm a bit of a slug on the sofa type of thing and i get distracted very easily like a moth to the flame so um it's yeah for me it's more the kind of case of um i will try to throughout the day for example uh when i'm working um and this because i'm working from home at the moment because of, of obviously the, the pandemic and whatnot um if it's not particularly busy then you know i may be able to kind of write something um also at the same time i because there's that added extra thing of like work being in the background, I can't really concentrate. So usually it's when the laptop goes down, it's like well, now I can now I can focus. So then I'll probably try and uh, get something written up. Um, I'm one of those more of those kind of people that's like if I have a deadline for something, that I I leave it to the last minute and then cram away. Uh, <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really have like a routine as such. I don't like wake up and go like right, get the squash or tea or whatever sort of thing, and sit down and write for an hour or two or whatever sort of thing. Um, which I probably need to change in all honesty because I think I'd be more productive <laughs> if I did have a routine. That's my advice: get a routine, guys. Get a routine. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the way to go. I think I need a routine. Yeah. <laughs> I like how your answer changed from the beginning until the end. Yeah, I just I just realized as I was saying it in myself, I was like, yeah, I don't really have a routine. I need to I need to actually do this. I need to like settle on something. So yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't realize, but we've we're already at two hours. I didn't even I mean the time's just oh, wow. flown by. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to say thanks again for coming by to chat. And it's it's been a great conversation. I mean, anytime you want to come by, let me know. And well, thank you for having me. Chat, um, I yeah, I, I I I've been enjoying this. Uh I, I love it sort of thing. So uh, definitely. Um yeah. Awesome stuff. And uh, when, when, after the book releases, I'd love to have you back and chat about the book and do a spoiler-filled uh, yeah. conversation if you if you wouldn't if you'd be willing to. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm up for that. That'd be that would be great. That'd be fantastic. And Steve, yeah. you've been like you've been awesome, man. Like this is uh, this is really nice to be able to kind of just just chat the fat, really. You know, just yeah. uh, chat other things and stuff like that as well. So yeah, I've had I've had a great time, and uh, awesome. thank you for giving me the opportunity to to just basically ramble. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's what, you know, when I first started doing this, I, I kind of was, 
kind of like, well, it's fun and all, but I'm kind of, kind of bored with, you know, so when I started chatting with people and having conversation, it's been, it's kind of, uh, it's kept me doing this. So this is what I really enjoy. This is my favorite part of yeah doing YouTube stuff. Yeah. So it's just chewing the fat, but it's, it's a great time. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah. And uh, maybe next time then I can talk to you about your, your collection behind you and then you can yeah. talk to me about like, uh, you know, your favorite ones and uh, authors and stuff like that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Uh, and we can chat, uh, chat movies and, and I, let me know when you start dark or Catla. I'm curious. Will, to see yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I will I'm do curious it. to hear what you think. Okay. But dark is, um, yeah, I, I won't say too much. It is, uh, it's just fantastic. It's really, really, really great. So is it, it's German, isn't it? That's what I just saw. Is it yeah. German? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I, I reckon unless, unless reading subtitles is really, a an annoyance for you. No, I, suggest no, I have no problem with that. Um, I think some foreign films are probably the best films. Parasite is one of the best films I've once again watched uh, last year, sort of thing. So uh, I've got no problems with that. I don't. I don't mind. And you're reading as well. You're reading and you're watching. It's all good. It's yeah. It's like a double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you no. Know, any anytime you want to come by and we'll chat movies or books or anytime you let me know and and I'll make it happen. Awesome. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So uh, birthday treat October fifth is the release date. Can we pre-order? Is there a, a yeah? So the, the ebooks currently you can e- you can pre-order the book on uh, Amazon right now. Um, I'm just sorting out the last few minute details of the paperback, but then that should be uh, available as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it'll be available early October. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have all the links uh, down below for Storgy and for uh, birthday cake or birthday cake birthday treat. <laughs> And so people can go and pre-order. I'm going to go pre-order my copy, and uh, I'll be buying the pa- uh, paperback as well because I'm weird. I'll send. I'll send it to you. You don't have to buy it, man. I'll send it to you. No, I, I like to. I like to have the. You give me this opportunity to do this, so yeah. that's the least I can do, man. So yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah, I like to support your work, and you know, it helps out. So <laughs> yeah, but thanks again. It's been a. It's been just a great time, and like I said, any any time you want to come back, let me know, and we'll we'll make it happen. Definitely, we'll do. Now that we have the, the time zones figured out, we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Thanks, Steve. It's been great. Awesome. Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Bye.